centuries that just continue to repeat themselves. And we're at a situation, at least in America, where I feel like people are not dealing with reality, are not dealing with facts, and are not dealing with the fact that we are a very young nation and bigger and stronger and older and more embedded uh, empires have fallen before us. And yet people are fighting amongst themselves, uh, acting as if it's left or right, Republican or Democrat. And I see it very different. And I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, your essay and, and where you think we are at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. So you had reached out to me saying that you wanted to talk about um, my paper, How to Conquer Tyranny. And uh, what was it? How to Conquer Tyranny and Avoid Tragedy, a Lesson on Defeating Systems of Empire. And, you know, in some ways, it's comforting to study history because we realize that in this kind of peak, insane moment that we're in right now, we've we've encountered this many times in the past. Yeah. And yet right. somehow, somehow we haven't completely lost like all of like a good form of civilization. So there's. There's good news in, in that sense. Um, even though reality and truth can seem, you know, so controlled and, and everybody is like following a certain kind of narrative that is totally taking them off course of what they actually need to be working towards for solutions. Right. This has yes. still happened many times in the past. And so we should never think that what we're living in is, um, completely unique. Obviously it's not ever exactly the same. Um, and we should never think that we can't exit out of a situation, no matter how overwhelmingly, um, you know, oppressive and all powerful it may seem, it isn't. And one of the first steps to that is to actually recognize that you play a role right. in the, the reality that you're living in. And we have more power than, than we realize. So to kick off, um, our talk, I figured that, um, it would be really good to start off with James Fenimore Cooper. Um, okay. his father was actually, uh, a very close advisor to George Washington. He was, uh, one of the original founding members of the Cincinnati Society. And, uh, James Fenimore Cooper, his son ended up, you know, writing a lot of very well-known books like the Bravo and the leather stocking uh, tales like the last Mohican and everything. But he was also very much involved in especially uh, the European politics in terms of the American revolution was such a success, but it was understood that the American revolution couldn't remain in the United States. It had to spread in a good way, not in a, an imperialistic way, right? Like in terms of uh, an idea against empire, like imperialistic empire, not in terms of, you know, civilization empire, which he sometimes gets confused. So he was working, especially in France and other uh, countries in Europe, to try to help with this kind of Republican movement and free the European countries from the oppressive monarchies and the, the corrupt the corrupting systems that they were finding themselves in, which was one of the reasons why the original people who came from the United Europe to the United States, they felt that they had no choice but to go to the United States, such as the Winthrops, the Mathers. These are very intelligent people who felt they could do nothing in Europe because it had gotten so bad that they had to build the system that they knew was the correct system in the United States. Um, so James Fenimore Cooper, he uh, writes, um, Whenever the government of the United States shall break up, 
it will probably be in consequence of a false direction having been given to public opinion. This is the weak point of our defenses and the part to which the enemies of the system will direct all their attacks. Opinion can be so perverted as to cause the false to seem true, the enemy a friend, and the friend an enemy, the best interests of the nation to appear insignificant, and the trifles of moment, that those are the trifles of moment. In a word, the right, the wrong, the wrong, the right. In a country where opinion has sway, to seize upon it is to seize upon power as it is a rule of humanity that the upright and well-intentioned are comparatively passive, while the designing, dishonest, and selfish are the most untiring in their efforts, the danger of public opinion getting a false direction is fourfold, since few men think for themselves. So that's already, I mean, it's very insightful. And, you know, Benjamin Franklin, too, was known to, uh, for saying, like, you know, you have a republic if you can keep it. Um, they understood that even though the American Revolution was uh, such a success in history, it was a, a unique event in, in history in terms of something that could defeat empire in such a, a effective, all-powerful manner, which didn't really involve like there was war, but ultimately it was won through ideas and, uh, and uh, the power of economy, which is, again, how you define the value of the individual and how you define your relationships to other countries. And that's what ultimately created the United States as a powerhouse, was those idea, those fundamental ideas of the value of the individual and the value of the nation in participation with other nations. Um, but they also understood that a democracy is not a perfect system because the corruption, of course, can come in both directions from the leadership, but also the people. And um, we're going to go into a little bit of uh, history for uh, Greece and, and Rome right. to kind of um, look into a little bit of how we are kind of living in a similar time frame as what uh, Athens and uh, Rome dealt with when they went from a republican state to a state of imperialistic uh, empire, which is what caused um, their downfall. And uh, we have to recognize that um, if we want a democracy and we value democracy, we as citizens of that democracy are the bedrock of that democracy. We have to play a role in this, and it's our duty to protect and defend those, uh, you know, ideas, again, of the value of the individual and the value of, of peace and harmony with others. So... I think a lot of people, uh, I'm not sure where people are at with their, their understanding of Athens. I would say that most people have like very nice ideas that it's, you know, all about the, the classics. And, you know, this is where our de democratic system came from was, you know, Solon. He was the one who started um, very much what became our Western democratic system. Um, but Athens did end up falling into uh, becoming an empire. Right. And uh, they ended up uh, entering into the Peloponnesian Wars. And this this was uh, against Sparta. So what was interesting was that before this, you had the great Persian Empire. And I think a lot of people have probably seen the movie 300, uh, the yeah. story of the 300 Spartans with King Leonidas. And they have it's a true story. They they heroically fought against the, the Persian ar army. And I think that there's a lot of truth in terms of how that movie depicted the politics. Um, 
that, uh, you know, there was corruption in, in Sparta, uh, wanting to kind of work with the Persian Empire. And funny enough, Athens and Sparta, they, they both, um, resisted the Persian Empire quite successfully. And it was really the downfall of Athens was when they became, they started the Delian League. Um, and basically they started to have all the other Greek city states, um, you know, bring in all of their kind of resources to Athens, which was uh, viewed as the stronghold. And that's very similar to how the United States is today as well, right? Like most of Europe knows that they can't really do anything on their own without the United States. And um, increasingly, these city-states around Athens became kind of um, satrapies. They became like subservient. And Athens would start making threats if these uh, city-states wouldn't pay their tributes even. Um, and, I, you know, I would say that's probably because it was for protection and all this. Very similar again to today. And uh, what ended up happening was Sparta stood up to Athens at a certain point, and the Peloponnesian War started. And uh, Athens and Sparta were, were were battling against each other. And so uh, what's interesting is that you know, the downfall of Athens was really um, due to an internal corruption that started to seep in, which, you know, we're not going to have time to get into the, the reasons for why that uh, occurred. But there was one historian, I forgot now his, his name, he wrote that um, the fall of Athens was really due to um, sophistry. And sophistry for people who are not aware of what it means is the, um, the speech of persuasion. So the entire goal of this is to just be the most persuasive in your speech. And this was really, really popular in Athens at the time. And Plato had done a lot of dialogues talking about this problem. Uh, Gorgias is one of them. And, um, you would think that it sounds almost like a disappointing reason, right? For like how uh, a great uh, city um, that is really like the foundation for a lot of what we have today in terms of like the greatness that we've we've like continued forward. Their downfall was through this the the, the speech of persuasion, right. and um, Plato talks about this in to make it a little bit more real because the the thing about both um, the fall of Athens and the fall of Rome is that you had uh, a Socrates and you had a Cicero in the time of uh, Rome and right. in both cases the people chose not to listen um, to these men. I'm not saying that we have uh, you know someone of equal standing today, but. Um, it's not to say that we don't have wise words that we don't listen to um, in general. And what happened with Socrates is that he ended up getting tried as a corrupter of the of the youth because he was uh, basically going against these people who were spreading this, uh, you know, persuasive speech, which, again, remember the James Fenimore Cooper uh, yeah. quote. He's saying that like we are our weak point is going to be how easily public opinion can sway so that we think our enemy is our friend and our friend is our enemy. And right. these sophists were uh, largely working with the Persian Empire and other, you know, bad political centers. They were not just, you know, corrupt teachers who wanted to make um, a quick buck. But they were actually working for a system that was intentionally intentionally trying to uh, corrupt uh, Athens from within. 
And the United States, you know, there was attempts after the American Revolution with, you know, the War of 1812, that was still a clear attempt by the British yeah. to see if they could use force against the United States. But after that, it was understood these people didn't go away. They did infiltrate the United States. Um, uh, and the Civil War was really a culmination point uh, in the, the 1800s over this um, two systems idea. And um, that is, I think, you know, should be very evident for people that the strategy had changed at that point and the strategy had been to try to subvert from within. Um, and during this period, people should also be aware that there were a lot of people who thought um, the Civil War, which was one of the bloodiest wars in modern right. history, there were a lot of people who just checked out. And they were actually sitting on the, the roofs of their houses waiting for, uh, you know, Christ to, uh, receive them. And, uh, there was like a huge cult of people who were like sitting on the roofs of their houses and not willing to really get involved in any way in terms of, uh, trying to defend the Republic and, um, and, and keep it together because the whole point of the, the Civil War was, um, if you could, if you could, it was basically a, an attempt to balkanize the United States. Um, and, you know, the South was, again, working towards the the benefits of the British imperial system with the cotton trade and, and all of this. So wait, let me ask you something, because yeah. this is something that's going on right now. What you just brought up is very interesting to me. I have a lot of people on from all different walks of life, all different thought, th- thought thinking. uh you know, I try to get uh, as many different points of view, but we have a, a little bit of what you're talking about right now in the Civil War, and people don't know that. That's why both uh, both of your books, uh, yours in particular, the last couple books, are very eye-opening about things like this, because there are a lot of people that um, believe that not only are we living out the Book of Revelations right now, uh, but also believe that God or uh some kind of hero that has some kind of godlike ability to uh save us is is coming and I, and I see a lot of people even when I challenge ideas that have no proof no no facts behind them they're very much uh fantastical in my opinion and I find no evidence of stuff but people want to believe it so they are believing it and I think we have a big problem uh in America at least um for the people that um I, I have been uh, speaking with around the country. A lot of people come up to me and they say, you know, that they are um, that they are certain that, you know, something's going to happen that is going to save us outside of ourselves. And I feel like a lot of people are like waiting for that. Well, that's coming or this is coming or there's going to be mass arrests or this is going to happen. And I keep saying, but it's not happening because it's not happening. There, There is no evidence of that. And why would only this small group of a couple million people that believe this know that, yet all these other people that have been in politics for decades and are screaming about communism and Marxism and history, and, and they, they're they saying, like, America's in serious trouble. Big stakes are here. You have to get up from from where you are as a citizen and take what's happening to America personally yourself and and we have that situation where a lot of people right now are either waiting for God or Jesus or a hero uh, of their own making to show up 
and save us. And uh, this is why I, I really I wanted you to come on, because this is a real issue right now, I believe, in America, because there are no two sides. I believe our our elected selected politicians are a captured entity being run by you know this this uh globalist oligarchy that is manipulating everyone to fight amongst themselves and and some of them are waiting for some kind of thing to come um so so what's what are your thoughts on that i know uh i've talked to matt about it a little and you that that seems to be prevalent and strong but this isn't new this has happened throughout history where there is a contingent of people that still believe that God, Jesus, a savior, a hero is coming and, and, and they wait and they wait and until it's too late. And, and I don't believe God or Jesus or anyone meant for us to wait for them. I, I personally believe that it's us that is supposed to tap into that strength and faith and fight for ourselves. So your, your thoughts on that? Because mm-hmm. what you're talking about, about the civil war is very interesting. And we both know that mm-hmm. not that many people fought or wanted to fight in the civil war. Um, and a lot of people did sit it out as they did in the revolution. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot that was said there, but I think, uh, looking at Assange, for instance, is, uh, a, a good, uh, way of realizing that, um, you know, the 2016 elections were, were such a big deal in the sense that things could have really turned around. Um, and there was a lot of potential, um, because there was many different uh, voices that were still criticizing the war on terror, uh, for instance. Um, and that's something that we've increasingly lost. Um, you know, there, there was a lot more after the Vietnam War, uh, an ability to criticize at least that you know, we didn't want to be the active, uh, you know, enforcers of, of going into countries for, for no reason. And the whole, um, 9-11 thing, um, people were, uh, against the Iraq war, but it's like increasingly people have become, I think, kind of numb to yeah. it. And I think that part of the technique is that they try to overwhelm people with a lot of, uh, negative information and, some of this is true information, but most of it is not accurate. And a lot of it is just plain fabricated at this point as well. Or, or, you know, they're trying to explain why, why some things are not working, but their, their reasons for, for telling us this are wrong. So again, I would say that as you're making the point, the United States is not, um, so special that it can't destroy itself from within. Athens and Rome were uh, very, you know, good examples of of strong civilizational foundation, and yet we're able to be corrupted from within when we lose sight of what is really truth and wisdom, and we lose the courage to fight for those things. Um, if we really were true lovers of these things, we would want to protect them. We wouldn't want to live in a world where we wouldn't have that and that we would just live in a world of mostly lies, which I think a lot of people on one, on one level or another, they realize that we are mostly living in a, in a world of lies at this point. And the lies are getting wackier and, and wackier too. Um, to the point where it is really like, uh, getting to be like a movie. Um, the solution for, for people, again, it's, it's 
a lot to take in, I think, for for our discussion. But what Plato uh, and uh, Socrates uh, and then Cicero, who was also following this, were were realizing. I mean, here's the here's the the, the paradox, right? Um, why is it that we know the name Socrates to the right. to this day, right? Like, why does the name Socrates even matter? Because this right. guy is like you know, this old guy that was just like kind of starting up conversations with any person right. who would listen to him. And that's all he did was like talk. Um, so he didn't play too much of a direct political role, although he he did advise a lot of uh, people who went into politics. So what was the power of Socrates to the point that he had to be tried um, and as a corrupter of the youth and they wanted to, um, you know, uh, uh, not assassinate, exterminate. Anyway, to sentence him to death, right? Right. Why did they need to kill Socrates? Um, and why was, why did they know that ultimately this was going to be a problem? Cicero is another good example of this, right? Who seems to be just nothing but, um, a talker. Uh, he was, he was more involved in politics and everything, but he didn't seem to have too much power. And yet, with the the second triumvirate, so you had the first triumvirate right with Caesar and uh, Pompey and this other guy who ended up having a big army, and then in the, the that first triumvirate actually, Cicero was invited to be the fourth person. So all oh, of wow. these three guys, they had been invited into this special grouping: Julius Caesar, Pompey, and and this other person because they had large militaries. Because Rome didn't have its own military, it was. Somehow, you know, at that point in time, people had uh, these generals had just gathered up their own forces. Cicero was the only guy who was invited into this where it was just him. Right. <laughs> and because it tells you something about the power of not just uh, good speech, good oration, but uh, when it, it also has truth and wisdom behind it, it is uh, like they say, the pen is mightier than, you know, a million swords, the sort of thing. And it lasts through time as well. So right. people, I think, have really lost sight of where uh, the power of, of truth and wisdom uh, really lies. And if you get sucked into this whole thing of like, might makes right, which is again, this was something back in the day in Athens, where this was, the arguments are so similar to what That's we're crazy. going through now. Right. And what uh, Athens was going through where the argument was, and this is in the, the Gorgias speech with Socrates, with Gorgias, who's a real person, a sophist. And Gorgias was saying the, the worst sin in the world to suffer is if you, you suffer another person's uh, abuse upon yourself. Yes. And then Socrates was like, I think that the worst sin is for the, the person who's doing the abuse on the victim. And they, they couldn't understand this. It's like, how could um that be the worst thing? Um, and this was really how they were organizing their system. It's a, a very similar critique for a lot of things nowadays as well, where our system is meant to protect weak people, weak men. And if they're truly powerful, they should be able to just do what they want to do. And I think that the United States has been really corrupted with this bad way of uh, thinking um, to the point where we, we see it in the paranoia in foreign policy, um, right. but we also see it from within the country as well, where people are now starting to attack other people as if they're like enemies of the state. Right. Um, and who who really is the enemy of the state at this at, at the end of the day? It's it's the people who are behind 
all of the sophistry. Now, in our day, the sophistry, the persuasive spe- uh, speech is, um, you know, on our television screens. It's, 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 it's very much controlled. It's what you're going to likely hear most of the time. It's going to be really difficult for you to not hear that speech. And that is going to break down your ability to think in a truthful um, and empowered uh, way. And, you know, oftentimes it's also just so heavy that you might seem very paralyzed and it's a normal, you know, reaction to want to just check out from that. But the thing that we really need to focus on is to have a citizenry that can, again, what's good about the United States is you have um, good foundations, even though there was always, it was never perfect and there was always an in inward battle. Um, you know, I think Benjamin Franklin is a really good person to study. George Washington is a is a very good person to study in terms of how they were dealing with uh, their their issues. Treason in America by Anton Shakin actually is a must read for anyone who wants to understand the American history. It's a, a really, really well done book. And these things are still relevant today. You know, there's a reason why, like, people focus on, like, these really old family names, like, oh, this person is a really bad person, and their name is, like, you know, from a centuries-old family. They've been doing bad things for a long time. We shouldn't focus so much on just the names, but also what were, what was this, this intention of right. this old bad system of empire that's, like, been carried on from Babylon yeah. to Ven- uh, Rome, to Venice, uh, to, to Britain, and now has infected the United States as well. It's This is an old system that has not really changed. Um, and it is, in some ways, uh, you know, smart and intelligent. But the thing is, is that it will always lead to its own self-destruction. It's just that what happens is when we meet these times of crisis, as I was explaining to you before, it's amazing that we haven't destroyed civilization. If this system was all powerful, we would all be slaves a long time ago. Because right. this is a very old system that has been attempting to do what it has been attempting to do for a very long time. Why has it not succeeded? Right. And uh, the American Revolution was one uh, really big point in recent time that really, you know, uh, caused this, this, uh, purpose, this intention of a, of a Babylonian kind of a route to really have to take a step back. And it just, again, shows you the power of ideas and the power of when everybody is on board with a good idea, the, this other thing really does not have any grip. It, it really can't sink its, you know, its talons into anything. Um, and we need to remind ourselves that when we have bad, we also oftentimes Thank God. I mean, I guess it does say something about the universe we live in. We sometimes maybe question, like, why is everything so bad? But at the same time, when we have these crisis points where we think everything is lost, there are uh, things that arise. And I wouldn't say just like a hero. We shouldn't look for heroes. What I mean is like a, a, an intelligent process that is forming. So the United States, for instance, was a reflection of like a small percentage of, of uh, men who understood what needed to be done and they effectively organized for this like real powerhouses. Right. Um, and you know, they were, there are some people like Benjamin Franklin where uh, if a person is in the sphere of Benjamin Franklin, they're, they're going to be organized even though they have all of their problems to do good things. 
Mm-hmm. And then if Benjamin Franklin isn't in their sphere, they will be disorganized, you know, right. by other people. But that's like the power of these kinds of um of people. And it wasn't just one person. It couldn't right. happen with just one person. Um, but it also required a citizenry. Thomas Paine actually is a good example. Thomas Paine was a uh, very instrumental in getting the people to be organized and back up because they had to ultimately fight in the war. They had to yep. put their lives at stake. They had to um, put their houses at stake. Um, the British could be coming, you know, to take their property one way or another. Right. Um, and that's, again, the system that we're living in. We have to be willing to to fight that. And the first the first step is really to to be a lover of of the good, which is has a true force. It, it, it has a true location in reality. It's not an illusion. Hey guys, thank you for watching the show. I just want to remind you yet again that we really need to be very cautious of what is going on with the economy, both here and internationally. Most of us know that the BRICS nations are looking for a gold-backed currency to dethrone the dollar being the world reserve currency. They have an event coming up on August 22nd. The BRICS nations are all going. There are also 13 other nations that would like to join the BRICS nations. And this is not something to not pay attention to. We have to make sure that you protect your savings. And that is why I have chosen Beverly Hills Precious Metals. That is where I have gotten my gold and silver. I leave it in a depository. I know it's there. I've replaced it with my savings. I've put there to make sure that I weather the storm no matter what, be it the central bank digital currency, the BRICS nations, the dollar goes into collapse, whatever may happen. I know 401k, IRA, backed by gold, as well as having my savings, at least an amount of my savings in gold in the depository or sent to you at home is the best way to make sure you maintain peace of mind and make sure that your savings and everything that you've earned is safe no matter what comes. We will get through this. All is not lost. America will return to greatness as it always has been. But between now and then, we have to be very smart and very cognizant of what's going on. So please go to Mel K. Gold. Or go to the MelKShow.com partners page and go to Beverly Hills Precious Metals. And my friend Andrew will take care of you. He's got a great team. Gold is the way to go right now. And I know that no matter what, I'm safe. So please do that for yourselves. We really care about you here. You're more like family and friends. And I hear from all of you a lot. So I just want to make sure that you guys are doing something proactive to be prepared. All will be well, but take care of yourself now. Being prepared is always a good thing. What's frustrating here, and, and I know that this also aligns with some of this other stuff, and and it's fascinating what you're saying about Socrates, because at a time when there was no media, no television, no radio, no nothing, his his voice and his words were so powerful and so dangerous to the powers that be, these corrupt uh, tyrants. Uh, not only did they try him and put him to death, but we still do know his name today. And I think we should really look at some of the people that lasted throughout time, because right now I don't see many, in my opinion, uh, leaders that are. Um, they're not even allowed to get their voices out. The sophists that you're talking about, now I call them propagandists, but it's even bigger than that. You know, we have a whole machine right now. I know you guys, me, me as well. Um, there's this whole censorship apparatus and the fact checkers and the, you know, uh, the fraudulent fact checkers and the, and the disinformation police and the misinformation. It's just become such a, a, like you said, it's, it's people, it's, knocking people out of the fight they just it's exhausting they don't even want to deal with it they don't want to be censored or canceled or attacked and then there's the people like us that are like well 
let them attack us. We just keep going. It's not about us. It's about, you know, this drive within us, this spirit, this God that is pushing us forward no matter what. And there are a lot of people like that. It's disheartening. Um, I don't know if you saw it this week. Um, a guy, uh, put out this song, uh, rich guys north of Richmond, uh, which I then think of DC as most people do. And this, this song went viral. And then there was a video put together of all people of all different walks of life. Black, white, gay, straight, you know, Republican, Democrat, which I don't believe either exists, uh, all of this stuff reacting in real time to the lyrics of this song. And it was kind of like this, this like call for us to get together and be like, listen, the, the, the system isn't oppressing them or them or them. We don't matter. We are the people right now in America. We are not taken into account with any bill, mm-hmm. with any vote, with any walk into the war, any of the financial system. The people of the United States who are supposed to be, uh, as you speak about Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Paine and all these people, we're supposed to be the engaged government. Like we are sub- part of being blessed to be born uh, in America and to be a citizen of the United States under the Constitution is that we are an engaged citizenry. And right now we're not. And our government, in my opinion, the Uniparty is not in power at all. I believe that it's lobbyists and uh, the global public-private partnership and the bank. But people and the people that are supposed to be representing us are, are, that is not functioning properly. So my question to you then would be, we need to come together. And, and I saw this song and I saw all these people be like, you know what? It didn't matter who you were. Those lyrics re- related to you directly, personally. People are crying and, and, you know, and people are like rappers are picking it up. And, and you know, people, you know, that are theater people are picking it up. Even Hollywood people are picking it up and thinking, God, that is how it feels. It's like a song of, of the times of people feeling like government has abandoned us. Uh, so where where does that leave us when we really don't? The voices I think that could be instrumental in uniting us are not being allowed to be heard. And, and I, and, and I don't know what that looks like, but I do feel like unless the left of center and right of center realize we're actually all on the same side, the, the path for these people to truly destroy America and, and the stakes for 2024, I believe, are a one-party rule. And from what I see, that one party will not be American. Uh, but what do you see in terms of unity? How do we, how do we unite with the sophistry slash propaganda slash mind control 5G warfare that has been so, um, heavy, especially since the beginning of the pandemic? I would think that without a good majority uniting and standing up that, uh, we, we have, uh, not a very good road ahead. Yeah. I, I have no idea as well how far they're, they're willing to go, um, in terms of disrupting the 2024 elections. And, um, it's a tough one. I mean, I have, I don't have an answer for that. And, I, I tend to be more of, uh, someone who tries to, to just, uh, talk about the wisdom and the truth that is really an individual pathway. Um, and it does, you know, start at that, that level. I think that, you know, the, the trucker protest was a very interesting thing that arose very quickly and organically. 
Um, and that really inspired not just Canadians, but it inspired people from all around the world, uh, especially in the United States and in Europe. And it was very much focused on this idea of uh, love. And again, that, there wasn't really one hero in that. It was a, a kind of collective effort um, that kind of just arose like that. And I right. would never have been able to predict something like that. Um, right. And uh, another point that you were making um, on that, the fact that we're all in the same situation, Martin Luther King had also been making that point that, you know, it's not a white versus black um situation, you know, white and black people are both being sent to the Vietnam War, but it's really that we share a common oppressor. And I think that yeah. people have to really remind themselves that the problems, the injustices that we do see in society, don't blame your neighbor for it. Um, you know, because everyone, as Frederick Douglass too, you know, the former slave who ended up escaping yeah. the South and he became an advisor to Lincoln, he right. even he visited his his master right his white master on his deathbed he went back to the south i mean at that point it was after the civil war it was uh, safe for him to do that and he said to him frederick Douglass wrote this down in his own autobiography that he forgave him as much as he could saying that we were both victims of the same system and i think that that if if people are to uh, recognize that that is a truly empowering idea and you don't have to get so bogged down in terms of all of the information and the details of like what are the list of names of people that we want to hang um right. because that ultimately is not a very useful practice i'm not saying that people shouldn't face justice for their actions but if we want to exit out of this crisis in the the most effective and fast way possible it's to unite under a very simple and common understanding of what are the fundamental rights of a human being and um, what we need to be asking for as a, as a priority in this. And to just stand up uh, against that, again, the trucker protest was a very good uh, recent example of this. Um, in a relatively simple way, there wasn't, you know, a, a, a very detailed overview that the trucker protest had in terms of actions right. and, and uh, things that they wanted. Um, it was still uh, a really big deal. And I believe that it, it did um, cause uh, things to change um, in terms of what were the mandates that were going to be. It looked even more heavily enforced, all of a sudden really backed off, yeah. except unfortunately for the truckers who apparently still have to have uh, mandatory vaccinations. So it just goes to show how, how much uh, how much pettiness they, they have. But. I think that it really is as simple as that. And sometimes people try to overcomplicate it. So either they get stuck into the wire thing where they're right. just hoping that something is going to save them or that something already has your back and you can just live your life that where you're not really doing anything. Like you're not playing a role in the heroic story of your times that that right. already should be a bit disturbing for you. Why are you not playing a role? If there is a heroic process, you should think, how do I get involved in the heroic that, process um, right. and not wait for it to fail and then say, oh, well, look, it was going to fail anyway kind of right. thing. Or there are other people who get way too obsessed with like every little detail that they try to map out, which is really impossible. We right. do not have access to the kind of information that we would need to totally map out the situation. However, it's very easy to know 
what is a wrong direction, what is a right direction on just the basic fundamental principles of, of liberty. And I don't mean like personal liberty uh, only, right? The, for me, the, the bigger liberty is the, the liberty for the future. So the people who are going to be born into the future and the liberty of a, a system that values uh, a future. So yeah. we shouldn't just think about the liberty of the individual, because if we just think about that, then we will also ultimately act isolated and selfish. Yep. So we should really be thinking about, like, what is it about the American system that was so powerful that needed to be um, destroyed by this? And hasn't been entirely destroyed, but right. has been actively going through um one thing after another since the revolution as i've said before on your show the revolution hasn't it's it's not over we are still in the revolution we need to finish the revolution so if everybody like all of a sudden drops <laughs> everything and walks off thinking that like everything is done or it's lost like the battle isn't over and um it's it's not a lost situation. It's just that, you know, the United States, unfortunately, it it suffers from isolation from the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> and oftentimes it's very hard to see what are the processes that are happening in other parts of the world. But it really isn't as negative as uh, it looks um, for the global situation. And the United States, again, has to realize that you, so you have your internal fight of winning the American Revolution. But the American Revolution wasn't just for the Americans. It was globally, ultimately, as James Fenimore Cooper was working in Europe to uh, secure these this type of idea for liberty for all. And right. uh, that was one of the things about Rome, actually. Maybe this is a good way to finish it, okay. is that the downfall of the Roman people were was that when they first became... So Rome was first a, a kingdom, and then it was a republic, and then it was an empire. So in the, the kingdom period, they actually had an interesting system where it was never an inheritance. So the, the son of the king never inherited the throne. You were supposed to be voted in by uh, a Senate. Right. But in the, the, the last uh, two kings, there was problems with the sons where they wanted to usurp the throne. They had decided that it was their right because their father was born king that they should be king. And so yeah. the last one, he did this in a very bloody way. He assassinated the elderly king in a very public way um, in front of everybody. And he was a tyrant for, for 20 years. And then his son raped Lucretia, the really famous story. Um, and it was uh, Junius Brutus, who had apparently acted like a fool <laughs> most of his life. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, rose up. And there was like four people, you know, with them that witnessed it. And it wasn't just Junius Brutus who was able to all of a sudden, um, you know, banish this bad king. It was that the people themselves had had enough. And Junius Brutus had actually gone to the people and he, he, he basically put it forward to the people. Are you with me? Kind of thing. We will never suffer a king upon us again. And what that meant was not the good idea of a king, right, um, that serves the mandate of heaven, but a king who only serves for his own personal needs, um, you know, and is, has a selfish outlook. So that became a motto for the Romans, and the Romans really uh, valued their liberty because yeah. they were they were like, we will never suffer a king. We are all free citizens. Um, and what was the, the tragedy was that um, during the Republican period, after about um, 300 years, uh, they started to suffer from problems of uh, corruption. 
up until the point where uh, you have the famous story of Julius Caesar and you have Marcus um, uh, Brutus. Right. So um, I forgot Brutus's first name. So Brutus thinks that he has now he is the ancestor of Junius Brutus. He thinks it's oh this is my time <laughs> because right, right. we're again living a system where we have a tyrant king and we need to end this so that we can again return to the proper uh, constitutions of the Republic. However, he didn't ask the people and they just brutally murdered, uh, you know, Caesar. And then right. they go out famous with their bloody hands um, and then saying to the people, we've freed you, we've freed you. But um, what's very interesting in the Shakespeare uh, telling of the story, which right. I think is, is, probably very accurate is he was saying that the people were already confused because they had offered Caesar a crown in the scene previously three times. They were offering him a crown. They wanted a king. And so when Brutus came out saying, you know, this is all of the problems of Caesar, the crowd in Shakespeare's story says Brutus for king. <laughs> and so Shakespeare is showing how right. exactly during wow. this period, Fails, whereas the people during the Junius Brutus period, they recognized, you know, that we are all free people. We will, we will live as free people. By the time we get to the Caesar period, the people were asking for a king. Um, and that was the ultimate uh, downfall and that, and also that Brutus shouldn't have taken it upon, uh, it that direction. Cicero, again, this is all like real history, right? Cicero, right. who was living in this period, who was actually trying to teach Brutus because he saw that he could be a really powerful leader. Right. Brutus, uh, never, didn't tell Cicero about the, the conspiracy to kill Caesar because he knew that Cicero would stop him. Right. And then Cicero writes after it's all happened, um, that, you know, if they were to ask me, I would have said, don't do it. But if you were going to do it, you would have to also kill Mark Anthony. So he, right. you know, they were very silly to act like Mark Anthony was going to be fine. So how did that end? There was a civil war and uh, Brutus and uh, Cato the Younger, they end up committing suicide, falling on their sports, um, losing the, the war. And they, they ended up causing Rome to descend into an even worse chaos <clears throat> under Mark Anthony than they would have had under a Julius Caesar. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's so relevant right now. And this is why uh, you are invaluable at this time, in my opinion. Um, I, uh, I've learned so much from you, but it's so shocking how much Athens and Rome matter right now uh, in terms of people understanding the history and really understanding uh, we can unite under the idea that, there is an internal and external force above our nations, not just my nation, but all nations, that uh, seeks to have this totalitarian top-down control and that we can unite. We might not agree on everything. We might not agree on every issue. And like you said, like the sophist or the current propagandist uh, uh, in the form of, um, you know, left-right politics throwing uh three issues around that they know you'll never agree on or they they want the demand that you agree on when it's there's there's hundreds of things we do agree on and and I just really feel like we have to keep you know if people all the way on the left and all the way on the right want to stay in these very isolated camps where they're right anyone who doesn't agree with them is evil wrong the problem and it's kind of cult like on on the fringe of both sides but I do believe left of center right of center really should be looking at we are Americans first. And what you said, I think, is key to everything. 
It's not about liberty and freedom and justice and all of that for us now. It's for the people who have yet to be born into the future of whatever this country will look like. We are the ones that will decide what that looks like, and we will decide mm -hmm. it now. And that is why we really have to step up from the inside, not not for us, but for the future and for, like you said, and I say it a lot, but you said it more, more uh, eloquently, which is, You got to take what's happening in America personally because it is your country and you have to believe that in your heart that you want to be part of this time where we can really turn the tide in the right direction or allow uh, tyranny to take over. And um, your work is is extraordinary in helping people understand that. Uh, can you tell people, first of all, uh, tell people about your book because it's still out there. And if people haven't gotten it yet, it is a uh Uh, a history lesson all on its own. Um, so first tell about your book, then tell about where we can find you. Uh, yeah, the, my book is the, the empire in which the black sun never said, and it's a volume one, which is now looking like it'll be three volumes, but oh, wow. volume two, I know you're going to like a lot. It's going to look, it's going to look into the mystical occult of okay. like how we, uh, got, you know, our systems of empire and how that affects our today. The first volume is more of an overview of uh, 20th century, uh, geopolitics and, um, how the world stage has shaped, but very much also affecting Americans, um, right. where we're at today in terms of the confusion that, that we're in. Um, and, uh, people can read my stuff. Uh, a lot of my chapters actually are free from my book on my Substack. Through a Glass Darkly uh, by Cynthia Chung. Okay, great. And, and you're also, also check, Matt Eretz, uh, check out Matt Eretz's uh, uh, four-volume series, The Clash of the Two Americas, because that's also very good. Um, you know, I think most great civilizations, they have this duality, right? They have right. The, the good and the bad that they're always working towards uh, or against. And um, his book goes over this uh, story very, very well, very useful for people to read. Yeah, I don't know. I keep saying I'm going to just go pitch a tent on your front yard and just sit there and listen to you guys for two weeks. And I, I'd be so much smarter and understand so much more. But you guys are both brilliant. Uh, and you do come at it from the same but also very different perspectives in your work, which is amazing. Um Uh, you also have the Rising Tide Foundation. You guys do a lot of lectures and a lot of classes. I always recommend both your books and Matt's books to parents who have children in college and grad school and high school because they are not getting real history. And I, I believe your books, both of your books, uh, really, really explain a lot of things about history that is hidden and that is really important. Also, please check out Cynthia's work on Operation Gladio, on Tavistock, on, I mean, she goes into so many amazing things. So please, please subscribe to her Substack if you aren't already. And, uh, thank you so much, Cynthia Chung. I, I, I've learned more from you and your husband than most people, uh, could imagine. So, um, I'm very grateful every time you come on. I know you're very busy and, uh, I really appreciate it. Well, well, it's always really inspiring to talk to you too, Mel. You're, you're a very inspiring person and your, your passion is super touching. Uh, it's, it's very moving. So I, I wow. hope that uh, we have more people like you, uh, that rise up. Thank you. And you too. And, uh, and listen, we are, we are not stopping either you guys nor me. And, uh, we will have many more uh, things to discuss ahead, but thank you for your work. It is really, really extraordinary and very helpful right now. The, the people have to understand this is not new. You understand history. You can do a lot of, of, uh, 
things right now that'll really help the future. So thank you so much, Cynthia Chung, and all of your links are below. And uh, please get her book. It is uh, it reads like fiction, and it's not, and it's important for you to understand everything in there. And I look forward to volume two. We'll have you back when uh, when you're ready with that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. As you know, I love Mike Lindell. He's been a pal of mine and a supporter of the show. And honestly, he is a warrior for America. He is not giving up on this country. He is not giving up on you. He's not giving up on freedom and truth and justice. And that means that you should be going to my pillow because so much is going on over there. Two pillows for 19.98, giant sale for the 20th anniversary. There's an overstock sale for 80% off which is awesome. We love the slippers. Well, everyone loves the dog beds. Everyone, there's so much over there. And what you have to know, I love Mike Lindell. We have been all over the country with this man. He is a tireless warrior for America, for God, for country, for truth, and for justice. He is not giving up. He has an event coming up. Again, he has a whole nother event. He's got more evidence. He's going to keep fighting. He's going to keep going. That means that you have to also support him. But the best part about him is he supports me and other creators. And it really matters. He's keeping a lot of truth out there by giving me a code called the Mel K code. So if you go to the Mel K show.com, go to our partners page, scroll down, you hit the my pillar, you're going to take you right to the Mel K page. Use the Mel K code when checking out. It really, really makes a difference. I can't tell you guys how much I am so grateful to all of you. Everyone that have donated or gone to my partners, they are all vetted. They are all America first. Mike Lindell is an amazing man. We need to support his mission and you guys supporting him and supporting me and using the Mel K code is really making a huge difference. There are so many, so many great things on that site. I will tell you, these are the best towels on planet Earth. Great specials right now. They're always doing something great over there. Support me, support Mike Lindell, support the United States of America. Enjoy the show and I'll see you on the other side. Oh. I hope you're enjoying the show. I was just talking on my new Patriot mobile service. I have to tell you, I'm so excited. They are incredible. They are America first. They they align with my values. And you know what? It's unlimited minutes, unlimited text, Wi-Fi calling, unlimited data, high speed, everything that you could use, just like everyone else. We have our time, we have our vote, and we have our money. And the great thing about Patriot Mobile is your service will be exactly the same. Difference with Patriot Mobile is they are an America first company. And what they do is they reinvest their money into causes that matter to me and matter to you and matter to this nation. At Patriot Mobile, those causes are the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, the Constitution, and our children's future. So please go to the MelKShow.com. Patriot Mobile is a partner of ours. Please use the code MelK. What I can tell you, too, is that they are supporting me and they are supporting creators because they believe in the First Amendment. They believe that censorship is wrong and they are going to put their money where their mouth is. Do what you can for the creators out there that are doing what I'm doing. Please go to Patriot Mobile. MelK Show. All I can say is thank you so much, guys. Supporting my partners supports me, and Patriot Mobile is absolutely awesome. I checked them out. We're switching to Patriot Mobile, and we hope you do too. Thank you so much.